All right, let's party. All right, welcome back to the scene puppets who know what puppets are, who have used puppets for whatever reason, personal or otherwise. Um, but it's one of those things where a lot of people kind of like don't take into account like the rich uh, history and culture that exists in puppetry. So just to, right before we get into it, um, I do want to dedicate this episode of my podcast to uh, Amelia La Pena Bonifacio. Um, we will get more to her later. Um, but right now, let's kind of get started just talking about like puppetry and like kind of like what the basics are, what we know of puppetry, um, the important things to know. <clears throat> But first, before we get into the nitty-gritty of puppetry and the little terms that we should know before we go into this historically and culturally defining podcast, um, we need to hear a word from our sponsors. Taking care of your mental health is just as important as your physical health. At Columbia Wellness, we offer behavior health care for all ages. From telehealth counseling to inpatient addiction care, we offer the level of support your mind needs. Don't wait to enjoy life again. Give us a call at 360-423-0203. At Columbia Wellness, your wellness is our passion. All right, so we're back. One of the things about puppetry that needs to be understood is that puppetry is just a form of theater. No different than Shakespeare, no different than Broadway. Puppetry has been theater for ages. In fact, puppetry has its dates rooted about 4,000 years ago. And archaeologists, cultural historians, uh, the likes, all kind of question whether or not puppets actually predate actors. Whether or not humans playing a role uh, were first and more popular, or if it was just purely puppets right out the gate. There are a few distinct type of puppet puppetry shows that we're going to get into right out the gate. First, there is, I want to say, rod puppetry. Rod puppets are made of wood, wire, and string, and are manipulated with wooden or wire rods. So it's mostly just like one rod jammed into the lifeless body of this felt little guy all the way up through his head. And then from there, two sticks are used to control the arms for rod puppetry. There's uh, simple hand puppets, finger puppets, whatnot, the whole nine yards with those. Uh, those kind of, it's hard for me to like just straight up go in and explain because it's basically like if you want to take a sock, draw a couple eyes on it, and then just start bothering your friends, you know, that's a puppetry. You're officially a puppeter. You're up there in the halls of Puppet Valhalla if you put a sock puppet on your hand and run around acting like it's not you that's based and then the other third one which is a pretty big one well there's marionettes as well uh which are just puppets that are suspended uh with string that one person holds like from above and like kind of like controls it with that and then there is shadow puppetry which shadow puppetry one of the, i mean it's plays culturally significant roles in a lot of cultures but one of the big things that you'll find in this podcast and learning more about puppetry is that shadow puppetry was actually used for the most part to counter censorship bans from the uh, christian church or islam church uh, church of islam based off of uh iconography rules uh, as religious spread so they couldn't dress up the puppets like deities like many cultures did they would instead just do the shadows because you're not dressing up the shadow it's just a shadow 
So that was their way of getting around it for the most part. Anyway, let's get right into it. Puppets have actually been something that have been written about for ages as well. Uh, I know that this is specifically like Asian influences, but the first known evidence for puppetry <clears throat> is in fact the Indus Valley, Indus River Valley civilization. And for people who don't know what the Indus River Valley civilization is, is, is a area and a region, or it's a culture that came up out of the well, the Indus River Valley, <laughs> which is on the subcontinent of India. Believe like right at the yep right at the top of it right on the uh, what is it yeah it was like the uh, mildly the Asian equivalent to uh, the Mesopotamian region <laughs> you know you got places like Harappa um the beginning the whole nine yards were because of the Indus Indus River Valley civilization uh, which is cool because ancient societies are cool but archaeologists actually found terracotta dolls uh one with a detachable head capable of manipulation by a string and one was a monkey that can only be assumed that they were used either in ritual but it almost sounds the evidence of a monkey as well as like i believe it was like a girl doll uh i think the removable head wasn't like a specific feature of it i think that just kind of like happens with history uh from the sound of it uh these two puppets seemed more reminiscent of something that would be used to just teach children and foster like a little bit of a show like kind of like kids play things versus like ritual or like any sort of cultish occult representation for the puppets it seems more like the indus river valley civilization uh really just used it for working with kids puppetry is also written in a variety of ancient literature for example and we'll get more into some of the specific cultures behind these written pieces later because a lot of it is india and india has a hugely vast uh puppetry and like culture behind that and it's kind of like shown as well because the indus river valley civilization was one of the first uh, civilizations to use puppets which is the predecessor to india for the most part I mean, you, you can, like, argue that, like, the Indus River Valley civilization fed into, like, Greco-Roman cultures, Russia, China. I mean, you're probably going to be right, uh, because I believe it was specifically, like, the Harappans who became the traditional Chinese. But I could be wrong. Maybe not the traditional Chinese, but definitely just, like, the uh, generalized Asian uh, genetics. What I believe I heard somewhere was the Harappan culture but i could absolutely be wrong a few few novels and few uh pieces of writing that has mentioned puppetry was the mahabharata mahabharata yeah, which is a sanskrit book with 200,000 verses that was um it's one of the more important source of information on the development of Hinduism between 400 BCE and 200 CE. And inside the Mahabharata, assuming I'm saying that right, is that it narrates a struggle between two groups of cousin in the Kurukshetra War, which we may get into the Kurukshetra War later. I really don't know. I don't know too much about it, but this is about puppetry, so it's not about the war. They were also in the Edicts of Ashoka, a collection of writings can attributed to Emperor Asoka of the Mori Empire. The Natya Shastra, which is a Sanskrit treatise on the performing arts. And then puppetry is also mentioned in the Kama Sutra. All right, let's get into China real quick. China's puppet history dates back about 3,000 years ago. They are one of the people who focuses on shadow puppets more than other puppet uh, sub-mediums, I guess, uh, which just means that characters are portrayed and backed by lights so that you can, you know, kind of just like 
have one huge screen that's showing. It's like more or less, it's more like a uh, precursor to like the standard television if we're talking about like ancient cultures. But puppetry was performed for all social classes. However, puppeteers were considered to be in a lower social class than the standard person. This is because they performed for everyone, whether it was a street performance in a marketplace, whether it was a national festival, whether it was specifically like performing for the royal family. It's all, you know, it. it Puppetry was performed for all of them, but the puppeteers, you're not going to see somebody uh, who was a puppeteer in China, ancient China, who is uh, doing super hot financially. But I, I think that's a flaw in the system of puppets. I think people who make puppets and do puppets should get paid way more money. That's that's just my thought. In the sovereign nation of Taiwan, they have a form of puppetry called potahe. Potahi? Potahi, I think is what it's called, which is a a form of glove puppetry that resembles cloth bags, like little cloth uh, potato sacks and whatnot, which is actually where the name Potahi uh, comes from, is cloth sack or sack puppetry. Uh, they kind of like affix the puppet glove potato sack on their hand and just start kind of going to town with it. Japan has a form of puppetry called bunraku. There are three kinds of performers that take part in a bunraku performance. There is the, I like saying everything because it's fun. There is the ningyo, nin, ningyo tsukai, who is the puppeteer. There's the teyu, or taiyu, who are the chanters. And then there's a shamisen player, which a shamisen is a Eastern Orient uh, instrument with, I believe, four strings, a straight stop, and it kind of has like a mildly similar twang to a banjo, but it's not associated with living in Alabama. Korea's puppet ways are thought to have come from China. The Korean word for puppet is uh means bride or young woman, which is what the dolls look like, and a uh, show is performed in eight scenes. Indonesia and just the general Indonesian subcontinent and like island, they have some of the absolute coolest puppetry around, like just straight up, like Java and Bali. Uh, from the from a bit of like investigation and like research that I've done, they are wild man um indonesia has a form of theater called wayang with its culture dating 4000 years old the main character in sanskrit plays was known as a sutradhara sutradhara which is the holder of the strings so the puppet master uh this kind of like goes into the theory that puppets predated uh human actors the injava they did use both shadow theater and rod puppetry wayang kulit is an elaborate form of shadow puppetry that often uh tells stories of good and evil hero triumphing over the bad guy the bad guy, of course, deserves to get his head thrown into a uh, light post. Um, but, yeah, and that's something that they may have portrayed in these specific shadow uh, puppetry uh, shows. And there's actually a, one of the, I mentioned, I touched on the uh, puppet band before, but <clears throat> the puppet band, it was a big part of, like, uh, Indonesian's culture during the spread of Islam, as many puppets were dressed up to um, resemble deities and gods. Uh, and this was primarily uh, Wayang Golek, which was 3D wooden rod puppets, which then they switched up to a different form of shadow puppets that's different. 
than Kula. I think it started with like a P or something, but I didn't write it down because I'm a fool. Thailand has Hun Krabak, a popular form of rod puppet theater, which is Hun Krabak are very... Because I just pulled it up because I kind of just like info dumped on this like paper and now I'm just looking up everything that I'm talking about. And Hun Krabak, they seem to be like very porcelain uh, dolls, and which are terrifying to me because porcelain is a wild medium. Um, Un Lakon Lek is a type of traditional small type puppet which uses three puppeteers working together to produce a character with more mobility and lifelike movement. Wow. So one little puppet with three people. That's cool. Yeah. You know, you learn something new every day. Vietnam has an, has another wild uh, form of puppetry. Um, they actually developed a form of water puppetry, which they have puppets built out of wood and are controlled in the waist-deep pool, and a large rod is under the water controlling the puppets uh, up top so that it looks like all the boats, all the people, all the puppets that are out and about are floating and portraying the stories on top of the water, which is incredible. And this origin for this just very independently culturally significant uh, art media actually has its origins about 700 years ago, where puppet shows would actually be played on the flooded rice paddies uh, to entertain everybody in the village uh, as their crop yields were starting to go. Because rice need a lot of water, and Vietnam floods and monsoons and gets those, so there's a lot of flooding in the rice paddies, and people happen to entertain themselves somehow. Why not form a narrative? What we're all doing, and this actually. Uh, this all led to secret puppet societies in Vietnam for intricate puppet shows and, like, special class works and everything. Yeah, it's cool. Do I wish I was part of a secret puppet society? Yes. Are we all technically part of a secret puppet society? 100%. Um, but, hey, here we are, and we are ambivalent to the fact of our existence. The Philippines developed their puppet culture during the Spanish colonial period, which their puppets are very based on and representative of Spanish culture, and we'll get to that in the next episode. Um... But it primarily used small carts with cardboard characters for shadow plays. However, they created their own form of puppetry as well that they called gigantes, which are giant paper mache puppets used in the gigantes festival. Hundreds of puppets made in devotion to either San Clemente or they're used as like a mockery against the colonial oppressors or they represent whatever the creator of the puppet wanted to represent because puppets as a form of storytelling are varied and you know, you can do whatever you want with it. Now, this is where we get into Emilio La Pena Bonifacio. We talked about her. This podcast is dedicated to her. I'm trying to dedicate these episodes to people who are culturally significant and deserve recognition, whether it's recognition they got while they were alive or whether it's just I just like giving credit where credit's due. You know, Emilio La Pena Bonifacio was the grand dame of Southeast Asian children's theater. In 1977, she founded the children's theater troupe, uh, the Mulat Theater, the official theater company and puppetry troupe of the University of the Philippines. She served as the president of the International Association of Theater for Children and Young People, Philippines, and was recognized in 2018 as a national artist in the Philipp- of the Philippines for theater. Amelia La Pena Bonifacio was born April 4th, 1930, Manila, Philippines, and she passed away December 20th, uh, 2020 in Manila. 
Um, may she rest in peace. Her work that she did with kids, um, teenagers, and providing a culturally safe, inclusive place for many people in the Philippines, whether I'm directly knowing how much she influenced or just knowing how influence works. She did a lot of amazing work in the world. So I'm recognizing her for this, talking about something that she was passionate about and ultimately trying to respect a woman who gave so much of herself to the society that she loved so much. Now I'll get back into the nitty-gritty of puppetry. Uh, we got just a little bit of time left. Um, in Burma, Myanmar, well, it was called Burma, but now it's Myanmar. They have a form of puppet show called Yoke Yokta, I think it's pronounced right, which involves marionettes and started around 1780 during the reign of King Singumin. And introduction is credited to the Minister of Royal Entertainment, Utah. Not Utah as in uh, Point Break, I think, like Johnny Utah. Was it Johnny Idaho? I've never seen Point Break. I just know people have, like, Bodie's Zaffa by Georgetown Brewery is based off Point Break. And I know they have another beer that's based off Point Break, but it's not that Utah or the Mormon one, um, U-T-H-A-W. Like, what you do to a frozen TV dinner before you put it in the microwave and load up reruns of Seinfeld for yourself and you sit alone on your couch in your room by yourself eating your TV frozen dinner with mac and cheese uh, it's a Salisbury steak honestly it's not your favorite but it's in front of you you boot up Seinfeld you know you've watched it 17 times and 18th time through shouldn't hurt anything you're not hurting anyone by doing it it's fine right, we're gonna talk about Afghanistan real quick um because they have a puppetry tradition that is a fun thing to say, and that is buzzbaz, or boozbaz. I don't know the specific uh, pronunciations, but boozbaz is a musical puppetry tradition uh, found in northern Afghanistan. The puppet is a goat, which is controlled by a string connected to the wrist of the puppeteer. The goat is completely carved out of wood and made of sequins and baubles and sometimes bells. Um, the goat is representative of a few different things. One is Markhor, which means snake-eating goat of Badakhshan, and the ancient belief that mountain goats had power. Mountain goats do have power. You cannot climb up that steep of an incline and not be a magical beast. I'm sorry, that's not how it works. Have you seen the cliffs that these mountain goats are scaling up? There's witchcraft. There's black magic there. I'm sorry. It's true. It happens. It's persistent. Uh, if you disagree with me, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. Mountain goats are witches in the most professional way. I say this. All right, now we're going to get to the really big portion of it because India really, really, really likes their puppets. Um, So let's talk about the Mahabharata because Mahabharata... Because it's something that we talked about right in the beginning is that it narrates the struggle between two groups of cousins uh, during a war. The Mahabharata is the longest epic poem known and has been described as the longest poem ever written. The longest version consists of over 100,000 sloka or over 200,000 individual verse lines. Uh, I might make something that's just like 100,001 slokas um, and it's just like a poem about beans. I don't know. I haven't decided whether or not that's what I want to do, but it could absolutely be on the agenda for some time. But it is roughly ten times the length of the Iliad and the Odyssey, so get wrecked, Homer. <laughs> not the Simpson, but the uh, the one Greek dude who 
basically just like invented a preliminary form of like Dungeons and Dragons or like basic tabletop RPG games. And a lot of historians think that that's what the Iliad and the Odyssey were, were just a dice game, a tabletop precursor uh, that makes, I don't know, Matt Mercer. I don't know. I don't want to throw out names or anything, but like D&D is Greek. I'll say it. Gary Geisgaz was a cool guy. Anyhow, uh, India has a form of puppetry called Katputli, which is a string puppet theater native to India. And it's a marionette is controlled by a single string that passes it from the top of the puppet over to the puppeteers. India is also where ventriloquists started, I believe. At least this podcast is me just reading stuff verbatim from uh, Wikipedia. Uh, It's in the public domain. I can copy the work verbally. People are learning things. So this is a moral good uh, thing I'm doing. Uh, But almost all types of puppets are found in itty. Oh, right, ventriloquy. Sorry, it's the uh, mental stuff. Um, The dude's name was Yeshwant Kashav Patey who was the pioneering Indian ventriloquist who started ventriloquism in India in the 1920s. He was also a puppeteer. And let's look up something from his personal life. Uh, I guess his daughter-in-law, his son, and his grandsons are all ventriloquists, which is cool. His puppets were featured in one Hindi film called Ekali Mat Jayo. His famous puppet Ardhavatra appeared along with the actor Rajendra Kumar, who... I don't know. He was, a, he was a cancer. July 20th. <laughs> Unless, of course, he's on the southern. Like, where at is India on the equator uh, system? Is it above the equator or below the equator? Because, like, that drastically influenced what their zodiac sign is. <laughs> because it's all based on uh, the seasons. Um, that's beside the point. In the Indian area of Orissa, uh, their puppets are called Kuntai, uh, which Kuntai, it's just marionettes. It's just more marionettes. But they're cool because the art is cool. And each culture has their own puppets, which is cool because that's culture. Puppets, in essence, aren't culture, but culture is puppets. So how's that for mental gymnastics? Ah! During the 19th century and early parts of the 20th century of the colonial era, Indologists believed that the shadow puppet plays had become extinct in India, though mentioned in the ancient Sanskrit texts. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, that's what that's reading, uh, is that... Uh, a lot of people thought that shadow puppetry was extinct in India because it wasn't performed in the uh, bigger provinces and larger cities, but they found that it had more It had more in the rural cities and parts of India. <laughs> so much in, there's so much puppet stuff on India. It's ridiculous. Uh, I love it. <laughs> the puppets used in a Tolo Bumalata performance dates Phyllis Dirks. Sounds like Phyllis Dicks. <sighs> Sorry, um, but uh, yeah. Uh, anyhow, Phyllis Dirks are translucent, lusciously multicolored leather figures, four to five feet tall, and feature one or two articulate, articulated arms. So basically, uh, I was right to draw the assumption or the the comparison. Um. And they go and celebrate the metaphorical birth of a puppet with flowers and incense. 
oh, so like, oh, the process of making puppets is like a real elaborate ritual, huh? All right, that's pretty solid. So it's like, it's a big ordeal. Like they, they have a whole like show for like making specific puppets. I don't know if it's like a whole whole show or whatnot, but it definitely seems very ceremonial. Maybe religious, I pr probably not religious, but like very ceremonial is what it seems like. Um, No, it's religious. It's definitely religious. It says here specifically where the artist families in India pray, go into seclusion, produce the required artwork, then celebrate the metaphorical birth of a puppet with flowers and incense. Apparently, the Ramayana, which is another Indian or Sanskrit uh, epic poem, in India they have shadow puppets that produce uh, the stories from the Ramayana, and a complete performance of the epic can take 41 nights, while an abridged performance lasts as few as 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 few as seven days. I don't know if they like call for break or that that can't be like just 24 hours like you're just watching a puppet show i like to believe that but i know for a fact that's irrational <laughs> Jeez, man 41 nights just to get through nice party hard that's all i gotta say yeah puppet, puppets are cool I'll say it. Puppets are cool. Anyway, that's going to be all the time that we have left to talk about puppets in the Asian cultures today. Uh, please listen, I guess. I hope you enjoyed yourself. This is just a historical podcast, and I like talking and teaching and learning things. Figure people probably are the same way. Could be wrong. Uh, but regardless, thank you for watching. Please stay tuned for the next part, which is going to be Western cultures going from Europe to North America and South America. I'll try to separate any indigenous, uh, puppetry presentations from any Westernized, uh, because I believe in being respectful to individual cultures. Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening and I hope that you have an excellent day.